Blog Talk Radio. joining us again today. Today we're going to have another thrilling, exciting show. We are really focusing on a theme of radio, media, and using radio as a medium for education, upliftment, transformation, and ultimately inspiration and creating, well, you got it, our main theme, a better world. And in this light, we are very pleased to say that we have two very special guests on from the radio world, as you would imagine. And the first is the very well-known host of Coast to Coast Radio, George Norrie, who is currently um, premiering a new show on Gaim TV called Beyond Belief, which if you have not yet seen... Well, this is George's foray into television and one that you don't want to miss. He takes his brilliance that he has been uh, providing through his radio program for so long and brings it into a television context. And our second guest is Justine Toms of New Dimensions Radio. Her husband, Michael Toms, and she have partnered for so many years interviewing thousand plus of the notable people making a difference in the world and uh, Michael Toms just recently passed literally some weeks ago and uh, Justine we're very pleased will be joining us for the second half of today's show about George Nuri oh my word it will take a long time to tell his story he has been around the world doing so much took over of course uh, coast-to-coast that was with Art Bell for so long. She, he has made this show probably the best listened to show, well, next to A Better World, that is. But we are aspiring, and George Nuri is very much a mentor to me. So, George, it's really a pleasure to have you on today, oh, joining us here right. at A Better World. I look forward to it. Uh, we're going to have some fun here. How are you? Absolutely. I'm fine, thanks. I'm fine. Good to hear you. Absolutely. It's been uh, too long since we spoke last. That's right. It's a very long time. Lots have changed over the uh, years, believe it or not. Exactly, and the lifetimes. Yeah, absolutely. For that matter, right? You know, we've been doing doing a lot of television on the History Channel with Ancient Aliens, and as you you mentioned, we're now doing a weekly show on Gaim TV called Beyond Belief, 
before a taped live studio audience, which is really fun for me. Because is that we, new we, for you? To do well, it this it, way? It, it's not new, but it's interactive, and I just really yeah. thrive on it. You know, I, I will make yeah. speeches around the country. I probably do about ten of them before large live audiences, and I, and I just like yes. it. I love that feedback. It gives yeah. me an opportunity to really get information back from listeners and people who are concerned about the future and the destiny of where we're all headed. And you, yeah. can really, you really only can do that when you're with people, when you meet them face-to-face. You know, it's true. You could say, George, that's one of the drawbacks, maybe the only drawback of radio, because you're not face-to-face. I mean, if you and I were in the same room, we would have a different kind of energy field going, you know? But when you're face-to-face with people on television, because I do television here, too, in New York City, um, it's a different feel, especially like what you're doing with a uh, a live audience. You really have to pump yourself. As a matter of fact, Mitchell, when I do my show in St. Louis out of the cave as opposed to Los Angeles, I'm by by myself. And for the first couple days, you really have to pump yourself because I'm used to having producers and engineers and screeners and people like that all around me. And when you're you're in a studio by yourself – yeah, uh, it's kind of weird, you know, and uh, you know, you're <laughs> yeah. broadcasting and to millions of people. And yet you're talking to the world, yeah, you know, I mean, at the same time. So it's like the Wizard of Oz. You're alone, but you're not alone. Yeah, it's like I'm behind yeah. this curtain, and you you know, you know, open it up and you go, that's it? Uh, but exactly. that's, that's how it feels sometimes. But Exactly. So this with um, Gaim TV, George, uh, what are you doing there that you don't do on Coast to Coast? You know, it's pretty similar except for the live audience. Now, one could say the live phone call audience and listenership on the radio show makes it similar. But, you you know, it's different. I guess, let me tell you, the biggest difference between the Gaim television show and the coast-to-coast radio show, Mm -hmm. I've got to wear a suit on the TV show. (laughs) Oh. I've got to get dressed up. You know, oh. you know, during radio, you can be comfortable. You can be in your jeans and a T-shirt <laughs> and do your right. thing. But man, when you're on TV, you gotta you gotta play oh, the part. You gotta look the part. Yeah, yeah. you yeah, haven't you haven't trained them yet, so at least you can just wear like a cravat or a sport coat, huh? Nope, nope, not at all. They uh, want they want a suit, they want a tie, and they do their thing. Oh my yeah. god! But it's but it's oh been a great god. show. It's fun. We tape yeah. for them in Denver once a month. They run them on Fridays at 7 o'clock uh, Eastern Time, if I can give out the link for people, because they're letting yeah, everyone do. look at it for free. It's gaimtv.com slash George, which is G-A-I-A-M-TV.com slash George. Or they can go to our website, com, and if you click Hosts, yeah. the TV icon opens up there. But it's fun. I mean, I, I enjoy it. It's a lot of it work. Is. I mean, I, I put in 19 straight days that ended last Friday. I oh Monday st- Monday starts my 25th beginning of a 25-day schedule. Um, but you know, you got to do that. I mean, this weekend I exactly you. That's right. So are you are you therefore commuting in a sense to? Is it in Boulder? It's in Boulder. I fly there from yep. L.A. or St. Louis. Um, yep. I, I'm this weekend. I'm in Long Beach, California, at the Health Freedom Expo. Next yes, weekend, I'm in Denver taping the shows. The following weekend, I'm at a mind-body journey conference in Edison, New Jersey. First time I've been out there on a speaking engagement. I'm looking forward oh, to that. 
Let him well, come listen, back to if, you, if you're going to be in Edison, that's a hop, skip, and a jump from Manhattan. Well, come on got, in and we'll have dinner. Or, or come see me if you can. I'm maybe coming, I will. It's going to be tight for me. I'm flying in, flying out that night, but come on by if you I can. See. Well, the thing is this. I'm, I'm a real fan of Tesla, and I don't know how they'd feel about me being in Edison. <laughs> hey, if Edison were smart, he would have cut a deal with Tesla a long time ago. We'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. Talking about such things, who do you feel is making – you've interviewed so many people, and you know, surely I have as well, but you know, I'm interested in you right now. What person or people – I don't want to limit it to one – do you feel, George, because you're, you're out to make a difference in the world. You care about our planet. You care about the development of our consciousness. Who is it that you have met in all of your years of doing this that you feel, and let's say, really, it should be a few, that are really making the most significant contributions to changing our world, shifting our consciousness, opening it up, and moving us forward? This might seem, Mitchell, as a very general answer, but it really isn't. Yes. I would simply say that almost every guest I've interviewed, whether in person or on the phone, has mm -hmm. had some direct impact on society. Whether it's a James Von Prague in his work as a medium looking at the other side, or a yes. doctor who's battling the FDA over some kind of cure he believes is natural and the mm -hmm. government doesn't want him to come forward to it, uh, or, or, or anybody from any walks of life who thinks as if whatever they're doing is a contribution for humanity. I enjoy that. So you it's bet. really not one single person, not one heavy hitter in life Certainly who not. has been on the show. They all have a little part, in, and I think that's so important to the direction of our future. You know, people come up to me and they say, how can we fix the world? Well, we can't fix the world. It's too big. But what we yes. can do is fix the little world around us. That yes. means protect and enjoy your life with the people you love and care about and try to make their lives as comfortable as you can. And hopefully they'll go out and do the same thing, and it spreads that way. But for yes. an individual or for me to go on the air and say, you know what, we're going to fix all this, it's, 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 it's nonsense. You can't do that. It's just True too enough. big. It really is. It's but, true. But there fix that this... island. Make that island. Yeah, exactly. There are two things that I think of as I'm listening to you speak, George. One is this ancient Hebrew idea called tikkun olam, which means repair of the world, fixing of the world. And it's a generic notion. But everyone is uh, kind of obliged to do it their way in their own sphere of influence. And that was the other idea that, I was, that you evoked, which is we can't do it on a national or international basis quite like that as an ordinary citizen. But the world in which we inhabit, our friends, our family, our students, our clients, you know, we have spheres of influence that where we really can make a difference. I, I think that's what you're saying. Yep. So critical to be able to do that. It yeah. really is. I'd like to, you know, along the same lines, because I, I know you gave the kind of answer I would probably give to. It's impossible, and everybody is, it's a mosaic, as Mayor David Dinkins once said, you know, that everybody is playing their own unique role in the larger picture, and that's not one 
thunder-striking person that's doing it all. God knows. But what do you for what do you see as you sort of look into what needs to be repaired as the central issues or problems facing us today as a as a nation and as a planet? We need, uh, as a nation and as a planet, to start caring about people as human beings. Uh, I, I think that uh, touch, that personal touch of really caring for an individual is gone by the wayside. There's no reason why this country, as strong as it is, can't start dictating policy around the planet to start making people's lives a little better. I am all for, I've spent nine years in the Navy, I'm, I'm all for a very strong military, but a strong military should not be offensive. It should be defensive. It should be so strong, so powerful, that other nations simply say, oh, my God, we can't screw around with this, this country because, right. you know, they'll get tough. And I think what we need to do, rather than to go into places like Afghanistan and Iraq, we need to pin, pinpoint regimes that are oppressing and slaughtering human beings and go in there as a world nation and fix this with the United Nations. Those are the hot spots we should go to. We should mm -hmm. not spend our time. You know, we went into Afghanistan in 2001 of October to go get bin Laden. He's long since dead. We're still there. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's crazy. And, you know, yeah. in Afghanistan, uh, in uh, Iraq, these are places that we have no business today being in. We've got the greatest fighting military in the history of this planet. We should be using it to make other countries more palatable for human existence and mm -hmm. use ourselves as a defense. So nobody yes. would ever, ever try to invade us or do anything else. Yes. I, I think that's a very well-made point. Uh, I'm reminded, uh, in a sense, George, of uh, Eisenhower's famous last uh, speech when he was leaving and uh, JFK was taking over the presidency when he warned us of the military-industrial complex. So you asked the question, why are we still in Afghanistan and Iraq? Well, I think that that partly, or I mean maybe even largely, answers that question. And I learned something really interesting on another one of our favorite radio hosts, uh, Gary Knoll's show uh, the other day, which is that uh, he actually wrote originally in that speech a military-industrial congressional complex. And he struck the word congressional out because he didn't want to make too many enemies. <laughs> but that's a very interesting <laughs> that's a very interesting comment, especially because your interest was if you didn't go into the world of radio would be to have gone into the world of politics. Uh, absolutely, I, I would. Would you speak a little bit about that uh, you, that energy that wish? I wanted to seriously uh, go into politics in an earlier age because yes. I, I thought our governments weren't doing what they should do for people. And, you know, I think it's critical that we be honest. You know, whether there, for example, is a UFO presence or not, be honest about it. 
come forward, tell people what's going on. Right. You know, whether you can develop alternative forms of medicine for people to help them. Be honest. Tell them what's yes. going on. Um, yeah, I happen to believe in the abiotic oil theory. doesn't mean we should be using it, but I believe this planet has an abundance of it. You know, tell yeah. people what's going on. I mean, there's no way dead a- dinosaurs abiotic? and plants. Explain it's, what it's, that is. I'm the abiotic oil theory. The abiotic oil theory is is that when this planet was created, that it had its own carbon makeup within the planet, and through a heat source and everything else, it turns into gook. It turns into oil. And that it's not made from dead dinosaurs and plants and vegetation. How do you explain the fact that they are finding huge reserves of oil 10,000 feet underground? I mean, come on. There's no plants down that way. And and so this this planet was created. We've been able to use this source of energy. Uh, I would prefer a different source, but it's here. It's in abundance. Let's be honest to people. Let's tell them what, yes. what's going on and uh, and do it. Very too many special interest groups. Way yes, I understand. So, in other words, had you ventured into politics, and in a sense, I'm glad you didn't, but you might still do so. Um, you know, you might have been championing this idea, perhaps like Representative Dennis Kucinich did, you know, when he ran for uh, president of sure. the Democratic Party. Or Ron Paul. It's that kind we of, were Ron that Paul. We had him, we had Kucinich on a couple of times. Ron Paul was actually a little too hard to get hold of for us at A Better World, but uh, next time I'll call you first and get a and referral. We'll get you, we'll get you a referral. <laughs> okay, good. Right. But Dennis was a real... Um, uh, proponent of the idea of having not a Department of War, but a Department of Peace. And I kind of hear you implying that idea when you talk about having a defensive um, military instead of offensive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I had 9-11 uh, happened um, right here. Not, 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 yes. If it had happened under my watch, I would have annihilated those responsible. Um, I, I would have I would have done things that some people would have deemed horrendous. But let me tell you something: no terrorist would try to play around with us again after what I would have done. And I don't want to. What if they were it. in your own administration? Well, I I I think those people who may have known what was going on and turned a cheek, uh, you know, unlike most people who are conspiracy theorists who believe that they had an active hand in it. I think what they had was an active role of just denial and saying, Ooh. hey, you know what, these are things we can do if something like this happens. I don't think they sat down with bin Laden and company and concocted it. But I will say right. this, we created Osama bin Laden. I mean, he was a, a CIA stooge when the Soviets were in Afghanistan, and we peppered him with all kinds of things to try to get them out. And, uh, you know, the Taliban was once called the Mujahideen, which were the freedom fighters of Afghanistan. And, you know, those are the people we supported to get the Soviets out. They talked on us. Why do people turn on us? I mean, that would be one of the first things I'd sit down and try to figure out with these special interest groups and these crazed radicals. You know, we help you. We're with you. And then all of a sudden you turn on us. Why? And, uh, you know, some of yeah. their answers, you know, might scare us. But, you know, those things have to be fixed. 
you are asking really the right questions, George. Of course, you are a radio host and now TV host on Gaim TV. But these are the questions to ask because we really do create our enemies. And when you look closely, and I know you have done it many times, at the military congressional industrial complex and the ways of the Pentagon, you see that they actually need an enemy and they will make them up. And if you continue to parade your own commercial success as a nation in front of poor nations that can't even put a meal on the table, but people are bathing in diamonds and Rolls Royces, guess what's going to happen? You cannot divide you cannot and when you do that you create very emotional people and uh, you're Correct. absolutely right we are greedy we are occupiers and i love this country let me tell you i went to mexico almost got kidnapped i came back and kissed the you the ground of oh, the united yeah. states but yeah. i'm telling you the we we have got to change our mindset in the way we approach ourselves to other people. I mean, we should be embraced around the world, not hated. They should look yeah. at us as, you know, the benefactors of the world. And yeah. and they're not. You know, we yeah. we'll we'll send the we'll send food to a country and half of that money and half of the food ends up in the pocket of some dictator. Yeah. I mean, exactly. It's, it's abominable. It really is. And you think, my God, what am I paying taxes for? To make dictators wealthy? Well, and that's another thing I would have done. I would have done away with the yes. income tax. I would have gone to something that was fair. I would have gone to a voucher system for people who mm-hmm. can't afford maybe a higher use tax or sales tax. But yes. you know, my, my plan was to give every American 100% of their money outside of Social Security and Medicare. You know, mm-hmm. Just to simply say, mm-hmm. look, you know what? If you make this, you get this. And if you want to right. spend it, go for it. But if you don't, put it in the bank. Yes. God bless. You know, I'm beginning to get a little bit of a feeling here, George, that this uh, radio show might be a platform for your run in 2016. <laughs> no, you know, the unfortunate part of running for <laughs> politics is one must leave what they're doing on the air uh, yeah. by law, and uh, I'm not going to do oh, that. Yeah. I, 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 I think, I'm, I'm I'm, I think I've got more of an influence, Mitchell, on the air. Yes. Uh, yes. But uh, but you know what? I, I would hope there's a politician who shares my views, who could yes. go and run, and I think he'd be embraced by a lot of people. You bet. You know, I've got to tell you, in that light, George, I mean, honestly, I, I started doing uh, television in New York City on A Better World in 1993. Yeah. Well, John Hagelin... Yeah, it's been that long. I guess I'm dating myself. The Natural Law Party just had gotten formed out in uh, Fairfield, Iowa. I think it was in 1991 or 92. And John Hagelin, award-winning Harvard University physicist, ran for president. And he ran in 92, 96, in the year 2000. And once I had the show, I started backing him. This last time, Rocky Anderson, former mayor of uh, Salt Lake City, formed the Justice Party, and I started backing him because I think that these third-party candidates are the way this country needs to go to break the gridlock. What are your thoughts? I I think you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, it's still a two-party system in this country, and I think if you're going to win – you got to be a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, we talk with Jesse Ventura quite a bit. 
He's an yes. independent. He would run yes. as an independent. Made that announcement on Coast to Coast and on Alex Jones's show. If other mm-hmm. people put it together for him, but I don't think an independent's going to win in this country at this point. I, I just think the two-party system is too strong, and so you know, I, I would simply and I you know here's another thing I would do as if, yeah. if I ran for president and won. My cabinet would be made up of the best people. I don't care what political party they are. You know, if they're Democrats, Libertarians, Republicans, Independents, I don't care. I want the best person. And if they happen to be any of those political persuasions, and I'm not, so what? Mm -hmm. You know, get good people. That's a very good point. We should be voting for people, not parties. Exactly. It's you know, you know it's, it's the party that pushes the platform, but you know what? I I would love to see an individual who names a vice president someone from a different party because he likes yes. the person. You know, that's so funny you say that. I was for before Obama took the stage there as the Democratic nominee in 2008. You know what I was pushing? Dennis Kucinich and Ron Paul as a ticket. It would have been a strong ticket in terms of caring about people and getting stuff done. Can you imagine? Red and blue becomes purple. Yep, it does. Or even reverse it. It would work either way. Exactly. It really would. It really would. I I was... uh, I I appreciate your thinking very much. I mean, would you have someone like James von Prague in your cabinet? Um, maybe as a spiritual advisor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. James, please tell me what happens next. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Talk to the other side for me, Jim. You know. Yeah. Exactly. You know, when Clinton got in office, I'll just share with you, George. I. I I wasn't for him. I I was for Ralph Nader, or no, I think at that point I was still for John Hagelin. I I'm always been third party as a yeah. symbolic vote, you know. Uh, but um, at that time, uh, what was it? Uh, I wrote to Clinton and I said. Because at least he played the saxophone and uh, he thought about inhaling, you know. And I have to admire him for that. So I thought, look, we have one of, sort of like one of us. I wrote him and I said, you know, if you're going to really do anything meaningful as president, I think you have to really clean up the past and you have to apologize to the native people of our country as well as all of the different ethnic groups, including, of course, um, the Afro-Americans who have come here and served tirelessly, sometimes and oftentimes against their will, to build this country. These people have been beaten upon everywhere you look, Latino, black, Chinese, Japanese, Native American. And you have to clean up the energy that has been on this land if you really want to go forward, and you should convene a cabinet or at least a cabinet-level post of native elders to guide you because we're a young people and we need help. Well said. You should run. You like that? Yeah. Hey, look, maybe, you know, President, Vice President, you and me could do we this. Could be, you never know. That's right. You know, I'll if they it. let us keep our radio shows, 
maybe we'll do it. Well, they won't. That's the problem. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Let everybody know, if you would, about uh, Diam TV again, and who are some of the people on that you're having? Many so of the same guests get... that we've had on Coast to Coast, except you get to see them in the flesh. Also, some yes. other new other other new people are on, and we run the gamut from uh, conspiracies, alternative medicine, ghosts, spiritual. Things. They even had a Beverly Hills matchmaker on. Uh, she'll be on a future show <laughs> talking about that. But if you want to watch it, it's Wonderful. an internet-based minor. It's nine ninety-five a month, but it also gives you access not only to the television show Beyond Belief, but thousands of self-help videos. So it's like Blockbuster or Netflix. You pay a I little see. fee and you get the whole thing. Um, the company bought out. Vivendi from Universal, and they've got this huge library. But you, they're they're offering ten days free for for people to look at not only the TV show but these videos as well. And then if they like it, they hope they uh, stay on as subscribers every month. Uh, it's thirty three cents a day. That's the number I look at. But you can yes. get to it by going to guyamtv.com/george, which is g a i a m tv.com/george, or simply go to coasttocoastam.com. At the top, it says hosts. Click that, and the TV icon opens up, and then off you go. That's wonderful. I'm looking over some of the people you've had on. Dr. Hyla Cass is a very good friend of mine. I think she's wonderful. Super. I think you and I have had a number of the same guests on over time. I think it's fabulous. I, you know, I love your adventurousness. That's for sure. I think it's so important. You really are helping to open up a lot of people's minds. I, I want people to realize that there's a better life for them and they don't have to simply accept what's ever handed to them. And, you know, people need to go out and make up their own minds. I mean, today they just came out with a report on the swine flu vaccine in Europe that mm-hmm. is now tied to narcolepsy, that sleeping illness, in children. Oh. In children. And they pumped, oh, God knows how many kids with that stuff. I don't get the vaccines. I, I did as a kid. I didn't have much of a choice. But I yes. haven't had the flu shot, Mitchell, uh, ever, and I've never had the flu, knock on wood. Right. Thank, thank God. God but, bless. You know, exactly. I, I don't tell people on the air, by the way, not to uh, or to. Sure. I want them to make up their own minds. I just want to be sure. able to bring out the thing, let them check into right. it, and let them make up their own mind. Sure. You bring out the education that you will not find in the ordinary media or or schools, for that matter, and Honestly, George, we do the same thing in a better world, and I was on Progressive Radio Network from its beginning as well, and we did the same thing there, and Gary Nolan, and there are many people who really are committed to the truth, whether yep. it's, uh, you know what I mean, it doesn't matter the flavor of the month, it's, you really go for what's underneath and what's true, and we're not caring about whose pockets are getting lined. In fact, that's a, a a, fla- a red flag that something wrong is in the mix, you know. No, it's I, it's I very much, very much appreciate. It. I'd like to uh, ask you though before you go, um, <clears throat> Michael Cremo, Forbidden Archaeology. Love the guy. I have not ventured there. Tell us a little bit about that. Michael Cremo, uh, his theory is is that humankind happens to be hundreds of millions of years old, hundreds of mm. millions of years old. 
And by whatever reason, whether we obliterated each other or, or some catastrophe wiped us out time and time again, it has happened, it will happen. Uh, his theory is, is that mankind has been around for a long time, and he presents some pretty compelling arguments to prove that. That's very interesting. Yeah, very, very well. Interesting. He, he's just a super guy. If you haven't had him on yet, uh, definitely yeah. get him on. That sounds good. That's a great idea. And uh, does it relate at all to the work of uh, Zechariah Sitchin? Is there a parallel there? Uh, he's he's not into the Anunnaki genetically altering us. Um, right. Different parallels, but uh, yes. You know, he's he's just as compelling with his theories. Interesting, interesting. Well, thank you for that. I think that's great. I think it's you're great welcome. that you're now expanded into uh, television as well, so people can see your warm smile and your engaging face, and at the same <laughs> time, you know, have the the wisdom of your years and your experience. You know, so it's really been a pleasure to chat with you here My and pleasure. have you on so, a better world. My you know? pleasure, anytime. Good. We'll have you back on again. Okay. Thanks so much, and good luck with Guy MTV. And, you. and by the way, would you give uh, Justine my condolences when you talk to her? I sure will. Definitely okay. will. All right, thank you. You Mitchell. got it. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. George Nori. Oh, what a man. What a man. He's uh, helping to shake up the usual mindset that is out there in the public world of people mainstream thinking being conditioned by television and public education where people are not necessarily taught to think that well. And learning to think is its own extremely artistic, creative venture. Uh, in fact, I'd actually like to mention uh, one of my dear friends and colleagues and teachers, uh, Yasuhiko Genku Kimura who originally uh, Japanese-born and was a Zen monk there for a number of years, studied also in India and China, um, did a lot of writing and translation of Lao Tzu, as a matter of fact, has an entire project uh, teaching called Authentic Thinking, in which and through which he helps people generate a new way of thinking new usually to them, not to the planet. And it has to do with many different variables, but you could say it has very much to do with thinking from the heart. And this is something that is so absent. As George was making the good point about, we have to come to a place of just caring for one another. You know, is that so difficult? Was Rodney King really so wrong? I mean, can't we get along? Of course we have the shadow. Of course we have our dark side. And are we going to let it win, or are our light sides going to? So in that light, I want to just welcome you all again to A Better World, and visit us at our website, www.abetterworld.tv, if you're not yet part of our newsletter Join it and become part of a better world community and family. And as part of that, I want to now introduce you all to the lovely Justine Toms, as I was speaking about her earlier, and 
<clears throat> letting you know that uh, she has been the co-founder and managing producer of New Dimensions Media and World Broadcasting Network with her longtime husband, Michael Toms, who just left us very recently. And uh, again, Justine, my condolences for the loss, but it has been such a great gift to have him on the airwaves for so long, both of you. So I welcome you to a better world. Well, thank you so much, Mitchell. It's just my pleasure to be with you, and thank you for your kind words about Michael. It's, it's um, yeah, a very a new cycle, a new cycle for him. Yes, indeed. A new cycle for me. Indeed, and George. Before moving on, just George Nori just said to please pass on his condolences to you as well. Very kind. Oh, thank you so much, and thank okay. George. Thank you. Sure, he's, well, he's sure. He's quite well. an icon on the radio, and now I hear on TV as well. Exactly. Guy MTV has taken him on, and he has taken them on, and they're doing their dance. So it's uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Well, Justine, among the other uh, amazing radio and media work that you have been doing for so long, and you you really are also such an icon, and I have enjoyed you and Michael over the years so much from your interviews with the well, what we call here at A Better World, the sung and the unsung heroes of society. I We don't only go for big-name people, although they're very enjoyable. We like people who are sort of a, <laughs> kind of a on the ground, hands in the soil, making a difference whether they're well-known or not. You have also authored this lovely book, Small Pleasures, Finding Grace in a Chaotic World. We want to thank Susanna Grotz for bringing you forward here to a better world um, to be part of what we're doing. Tell me a little bit about what you were seeking to convey in your book here. Well, you know, Mitchell, it, uh, people would ask me, what has really moved me the most in or served me over the years of my meeting and being with and interviewing and producing all these luminaries for uh, yes. 40 years now. I mean, people like Bucky Fuller and Joseph Campbell, um, you know, the Dalai Lama, and the list just goes on yes. and on. And uh, so yes. I came up actually with five themes that have really moved me. And through the years, I call them these stepping stones that I can use to cross that chaotic stream of life. And the, the, the main one, the first one that I included, and I include essays under each of these categories, um, is that it's um, keeping your mind open, keeping, you know, widening our landscapes keeping the heart and mind open, staying curious, asking new questions. I I find, you know, so often it's when we're interviewing a guest, uh, when they're coming up with some new question I hadn't thought to ask before. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, boy, that just really gets me excited and jumping up and down in my seat because <laughs> it just helps yeah. us to clarify what it is that we're all about and what has real deep meaning and truth for yes. us. Yes, yes, yes. 
Oh, I get that. I get that. Uh-huh, for sure. I mean, you know, you and I occupy, as does George, a certain very parallel role on this planet. We're bringing forward wisdom, ancient wisdom oftentimes, new intelligence, other new ways of looking at old phenomena, or simply the inspiration to create a better world and who's doing what in order to accomplish that. So getting to the heart of the matter, if you will, Justine, and helping people bring that forward in these interviews is so much the um, the core of what we do. And you and Michael have just brought it to a very high, high art, I would say. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. I want to mention, uh, Mitchell, one other uh of the five categories, one that I want to make sure we cover. I know we don't have a lot of time, but but sure, the other one do. is is uh, being active uh, without driving ourselves crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> being active out in the world to contribute yeah. our gifts. But yeah. it's like the in-breath and the out-breath, what I've discovered, and I know that you know this so well. That remember when we're on an airplane, they say put your own oxygen mask on first in case of an emergency. <laughs> yes. Well, that's that's really what it's all about. It's like taking care of ourselves in a yes. deep way. That's the in breath. It's like paying attention to our spiritual practice mm. or whatever it is that's really moving us and grounding us and nurturing us. And then if we only do that, then in a cave somewhere, how can we express our gifts? We need to then take it out in the world. So it is this back-and-forth movement to take our gifts out into the world, but know that we are, it's not possible for any one of us to do everything. So what we need to do and what I've discovered is to be, to find that which is my gift to give and, and work with what's close to me. And to let the other go and know that others are taking care of other parts of it, that we don't have to do everything, because that is one of the ways we drive ourselves crazy. If we listen to the, you know, 6 o'clock news and we'll find out everything that's going wrong on the planet, or even opening up our email and all the different emails about the struggles that are going on in the planet, we can then just look at, okay, what can I do? What is close to me? Where where do I have the best influence and then move with that, but always yes. taking care of ourselves, going back to our own deep, deep spiritual practice, whatever that might be for us. And it might be out in nature. That's another part of my book is is listening to voices beyond the human chatter that we're always getting. Listening Animals. to nature. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. No, I I see yeah. that night. Yeah. Uh, I think that's so important. Exactly. It's another form of self-nourishment as well. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And no, you know I agree. another thing, Mitchell. When when we yeah. are wondering uh, about well, will things ever ever change? There's there's a wonderful book which I'm sure that you you know about. Uh, it's Oliver Clark's uh, book 
Invaluable Lessons from a Frog, Seven Life-Enhancing Metaphors. And mm. it's just this wonderful, wonderful little book. And and he gives the metaphor of the uh, Chinese bamboo. And this is like bamboo. It's, it's a special kind of bamboo that if you sow the seeds of this bamboo in a fertile ground and you you water it, you have to be very, very patient because nothing happens for the first year, the second year, the <laughs> third year, and not until the fifth year will you even start to see any shoots coming up. But oh in that my. fifth year, that bamboo grows 40 feet in one year. Oh <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So. So when when we wonder, will change ever happen, you know, remember this story, this metaphor of the Chinese bamboo, that we don't know what's going on underneath the earth. There's a lot yeah. going on that we keep, you know, it's an encouragement to keep moving forward because we don't know enough to know the future and exactly. to keep ourselves optimistic and and just keep keep working for it. That is beautiful, Justine. That is beautiful. And I think it's so important that basically we are out in the world planting seeds. Some take root and others do not. And those that take root, you don't know how deep and you don't know when they will sprout. You just well, exactly. don't know. And, you know, that's the other part is that we need to really – uh, let go of the outcome <laughs> because that's that's one of the main things that we learn that if if we if we if we just you know ha- have the assumption that that we we want it to turn out a certain way it, we might really start to feel beaten up because it's not turning out exactly as we vision so yeah. it's always it's really important to hold the future loosely because there are some surprising things coming our way and it's <laughs> yeah. so it's really That's important a nice way of when, putting it yeah 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 so yeah That's a very uh, nice way of putting it. i frequently say to people justine i say just remember man plans and god laughs, <laughs> so, yeah, we should probably so start true. laughing that's along so with her true. you know yeah right? so true so true yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, no, but, it's a beautiful uh, metaphor that's a beautiful oh, well, bamboo thank you. Is truly thank truly you. and i know, you know in your book yeah please go on go ahead now go ahead uh in your book of course you you know you were just referencing this uh, this idea of being an activist without driving yourself crazy because our heart so yearns for peace and harmony among all sentient life. It's very much, a, of course, a Buddhist idea, and I'm sure His Holiness the Dalai Lama conveyed some of that notion when you were sitting down with him, you know, you and Michael some time ago. And uh I think that's why we feel so compelled to get off our derriere into action because we want to try to create that peaceful, harmonious world where we see chaos instead reigning. And your good advice and wisdom here that you one person cannot do it all, even though there is the impulse to straighten it all out, 
is really well put and do what you can. This is funny because when I was speaking with George before, it was the same notion that George Nori was saying, basically take care of your own and your own sphere and be happy that you have a sphere to influence in a sense. You know, you don't and you cannot do fix the entire world. No one can. No one can. It's true. You know, one of the things that I suggest, and I know you've heard this, and we all need these reminders, is I suggest we start our day, uh, you're right, we want to be peaceful. We we really want these things. And one way to accomplish that is the only thing that we really have influence on is our own attitude, period. I mean, that's it. And, And so to get up every day with what I call a soul breakfast, and that's when you first get up to say to think of your think of four things right then and there before you even put your feet on the floor to say four things that I'm grateful for right mm. at the beginning of the day absolutely yeah. and then to dedicate your day to say I'm going to dedicate my day. This is an intention you're putting out at the very beginning for the benefit of something larger than myself, for the benefit of all life, for the benefit of the people I meet, for the benefit of the work that I put out in the world, whatever it is that moves you into that larger landscape earlier in the day. So, so you know, as the Tibetan Buddhists say, it's when something is in the beginning, it most likely will be good in the middle and good in the end. Good at the end. If we can start (laughs) our day with a soul breakfast uh, and just, just, you know, be grateful. Start it with gratefulness. I mean, there will be a lot of chaos that will come to us throughout the day, but, you know, at least begin it that way, and and it has a better chance of staying on track. So uh, I, I recently did an interview with uh, Tim Ryan, who's a congressman from northern uh, Iowa. And, oh, yes. <laughs> excuse me. And we were talking about mindfulness, and I was I was reminded as I was talking to him about how I am mindful when when I'm driving. Uh, and, you, you know, how you can go, Mitchell, you can be driving someplace, and you won't even remember how you got there. You know, True. you've just been so out of your body in some way. Yeah. and. So what I, what I use frequently is to, whenever I see a crow, and there are many, many crows, even in dense cities you'll see crows, or maybe mm-hmm. maybe you can say pigeons. You can use pigeons too, but uh-huh. I use crows. And whenever I see a crow, it reminds me to come back to myself, to be mm. present in this moment right now, and to be to to gratefulness about being able to be present right in this moment because that's mm. all we really have is is that kind of presence in each moment uh so totally that's totally yeah. Yeah. that talk about small pleasures that's a beautiful one you know because there's a true nourishment in that coming home so to speak uh you know along with small pleasures of course referencing your beautiful book here, Finding Grace in the Chaotic World. Uh, I'm reminded, I'm listening to you speak, uh, Justine, I uh, used to be very deeply involved in the Gurdjieff work. Oh, yes. 
one of the exercises. That's very much about presence, isn't it? Very much so, exactly. And in fact, I was going to share with you that one of the exercises that we would be asked to do is every time we open the door, talk about metaphors also, we would become present. So the door opening and walking through, of course, into a sense of our own presence. So again, it's a beautiful metaphor where the physical world becomes a doorway, if you will, to another level of being. Well, exactly. Boy, that's a wonderful one because how often do we open a door in our lives and we're always going through doors. So if we can remind ourselves at that time to really, really uh, be present and really realize we're opening the door, that's the... It's so magical, and it gets us out of all that worry and fear and and all those things that are really trying to to bring us down and bring us, uh, you know, uh, you know, turn us into to worry warts, you know, I call exactly. it. But exactly. you know, it, it's really important to to really to keep ourselves from from that. You know, another thing that I do in another part of my book is uh, having a circle of friends of the heart. And it's so important. People who support us in our fullness. This is, I I can't tell you how important this is and how it's been so important in my own life uh, that to sit down with people, they're not there to fix us or to, to change us in any way, but they're there to really listen to us in the deepest, deepest way and to mirror back to us how how magnificent we are uh, because they really, you know, there there is an um, uh, African saying that when, when we're really with people like this, that they, they really are companions to us and they really help us to see ourselves in the way that we really are and remind us of the song that we're we're singing it it's just so it's so beautiful when we sit down yep. with others to really support us in our fullness and so exactly. i just suggest I think that it's you so important a- our fullness but also you know this life really does uh present us with so many challenges that are uh, shattering. And, you know, if we really contemplate what is going on in the world and what is going on in our name, it is much bigger than us. And to think that human beings are actually dying using our tax dollars, just as an example, is, is actually so big emotionally for people like you and I and people that listen to this show and your show or read your books and my writing, it's it's almost unspeakable if you really want to get down to it. So how do exactly. we right when we how do we manage that? But through our friendships and our love with others, we God knows we need emotional well, you, and spiritual you know, support. Gets so, it's so true when you think of. Um, there's a vine in the forest in uh, the Amazon, and that vine, you know, everything in the forest floor, it's the, the canopy of the forest is so thick, it's hard to get light through it. 
Yes. So what this vine does, this vine finds other vines, and they start intertwining and intertwining and intertwining, and then they make this this very, very, very thick trunk, and together they climb up to the canopy where the sunlight can reach them. Now, one vine could not do that all by itself. So this is another metaphor that when we join together in circle, we can accomplish so much. Uh, I I just want to mention this African saying, uh, it's like a friend, this, this friend of the heart is someone who knows your song and sings it to you when you have forgotten it. And those who who love you are not fooled by the mistakes you've made or or the dark images that we sometimes yeah. start to hold of ourselves. They mm-hmm. remember our beauty when we feel ugly, and they remember our wholeness when we feel broken, and they mm. remember our innocence when we feel guilty, and our purpose when we get confused. So this this is what friendship can do. They can help us reach that canopy of light because they can help us remember when we when we step off the path and when we're beaten down and trodden down by all the images of of all the things that, that really need fixing in in the world and, and all the suffering that is going on. Mm-hmm. So so you know, having some help. What what is that song with a little bit uh, with a little help from our friends, you know? Yes. It's it's really Thank it's, the Beatles it's for that not one. a time of isolation, Mitchell. It is a time right. to join together and rub to shoulders together. with one another. It's not a time to get stay home and pull the covers up over our head. That's right. Nor is it the time, Justine, of simple, old-fashioned, rugged individualism that was said to have founded this country. I don't believe it was actually ever that, but it was wagons of groups going across the prairie. It was always groups of people who are supporting each other and building the barn for the neighbor, for instance. You know, I I think that even more than ever, perhaps, but certainly at least equal, this notion you're putting forward is um, rings so true. We I need each other so as right. human beings. I think that's a, that's a good observation that, uh, you know, we think it's a rugged individual, uh, but in reality, if we really look at our history closely, we'll yes. find that no one has done it on their own, that we are so enormously interconnected. And, yes. and you know, uh, what what is that, that, that uh, I can't, strange attraction or strange something, I can't remember the name of it, but when they did experiments where they moved an electron over here and then an electron in in a similar uh, compound would move at the same time over a vast, vast uh, reaches. Oh, yes. I Uh, mean the experiments in non-locality? Yeah, non-locality. And and it's this mystery of how how they connected on that that molecular level. Well, it's it's like we are all connected in that way. We are not True. alone. If we are, we we we're there together. Even if we don't want to be, we are actually there together. We are connected, and we can feel it all. 
And we can so feel the love. You and were, we can feel you were moving, all of it. Yeah, right. You were moving in exactly the direction I was about to do, which I was about to go to neuroscience, and you went to quantum physics. And, uh, of course, the two are, <laughs> are brothers and kindred spirits, brothers and kids, because I, they have found, as you were saying, that when two electrons that are in the same shelf in one location are then um, separated by, by, you know, by uh, you know, manipulation, separated out to vast distances between them. They always have an affinity. Once met, they always know one another, and they vibrate. They resonate in the same frequency. It's awesome. The work in neuroscience that Lynn McTaggart, among others, uh, aggregated in a number of her books, but I'm thinking now of The Bond, it's all about the um, substrate of cooperation in our nervous system that we're designed not to be at war with each other but actually we survive through cooperation that's well, you the know, key. there's, there's a, a piece in my book it's really about uh when we were with bill mcdonough and when we were we were finding uh we were finding ourselves out in a beautiful spring day on his front porch Yes. And just kind of looking at, at this spring, yeah. oh my gosh, it was so amazing. Uh-huh. And and it's it's you know he pointed out to us, to Michael and myself, he pointed out that we were talking about Bucky Fuller and form follows function, and and mm-hmm. Bill just stopped for a moment and he thought he said, well that's true, form does follow function, but it was he said, but you know. Uh, form follows function, function follows evolution, and evolution follows celebration. Ah. And he says it's not about the survival of the fittest, it's about those who celebrate the most, being the true evolutionary (laughs) winners, because nature is all about fierce celebration. And, And somehow that's connected with the idea that we are connected in that yeah. you know in biology it's those that that the species that really survive that really go are are how they are working in symbiosis with other species and exactly. that's where we're moving to we're we're really yeah. understanding this more and more that that's how we will survive by celebrating together by being together by in our diversity and adding so much to one another that we get we're more than the sum of the parts you got it that is beautiful i you're so right and i'm celebrating you and i know that's one of the chapters in your book about celebration and ritual so you've come through all five pieces of your beautiful book on small pleasures finding grace in a chaotic world Justine, right. what a pleasure have to have you for on just today. One other little little story that really serves me. Yes, please, please, oh, please. Oh, good. Um, this is this is something that I learned from Buckminster Fuller, and mm-hmm. he came up with a term that I had never heard before, and it was called trim tab. And the trim tab factor. This is another reason that we can be heartened by what it is that we can do as small individuals that really 
make a difference. And he talked about the trim tab. Trim tab is something that that runs down the rudder of a large ship. And mm-hmm. it, it turns out that in a large ship, ocean-going vessel, if you want to change direction, there is no mechanical advice, uh, a device that can mechanically turn that rudder against the momentum of the direction that ship is going. Mm-hmm. It would break mm-hmm. off. It just it wouldn't it wouldn't work. So it what right. the designers too severe did, an impact. Yeah. Right. What the designers did, that they put a very, very small rudder on the rudder, and it's called a trim tab. And this small trim tab, which is very, very small compared to the big rudder, they can turn that. And that little turn then starts the momentum to be able to turn the larger rudder, and then the whole ship turns. And and even on Bucky's grave, he has I'm a trim tab, and and he really felt like uh, that's what each of us as individuals are that we're yeah. each a trim tab, and that we can move the momentum of no matter how great a bulk it is that's going in yes. one direction, we can contribute to that that movement towards another, towards peace, as you were saying earlier, Mitchell, and and all the things that we desire for one another towards love and peace and 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 beautiful creativity and celebration and and just a, a a way of living that is just in accordance with the laws of nature and one another. Oh. God, that is so beautiful. You're melting me, Justine. You're melting me. (laughs) Well, you and Bucky, I should say. (laughs) You're so easy to speak with. It's so great to be with you, Mitchell. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. It's such a pleasure, and I'm so glad you feel that way. It's, uh, It's melodious and harmonious over here, Justine between our our thoughts, our feelings and our um experiences, you know, our world yes. view. You know, it's yes. it's really yes. it's really yes. a treasure. Definitely. So, Definitely. Thank you. We're going to obviously we cannot possibly contain all of you or <laughs> us in this show. So I would love to have you on again where um we can expand the waistline on this conversation. Great, great. I would love that. I would just be honored to be uh, with you. Just let me know when you you would like to do that. I would love to be on. Yeah, I I love talking with you. You're you're just a light of of your own that really has so much wisdom and so much to share with us as well. Mm, I thank you so much, Justine. I so appreciate your good words and your lifelong work. And uh, it's, uh, as you said, it's a new cycle. It's a new dawn. And um, I just want to bless you in it and around it. And uh, this book being released just now, Small Pleasures, Finding Grace in the Chaotic World, I think is just uh, the first step in that new direction. And I think it's fabulous what you're up to. Thank you. Thank you and so thank you for much. Thank you. All of your work for so long. The Dolly Mothers and Joseph Campbell's and I, I do want to have you on and I wanna sort of review some of the um 
the uh, the highlights of your and Michael's well, life. Well, I would love to do that and and talk okay. about uh, all the changes that I've seen in in the short yes. decades. We've been doing it for four decades now, but in oh, that compared to all of history, that's a very short time. And yes. we've seen a lot of changes that are very positive, oh, and this is what God, holds yes. me. Uh, in when I can hearken back to what things were like even 40 years ago or 30 years ago yes. and what they're like today. So I'd love to talk about that. Wonderful. Consider that we will have a date to do that. Great. Okay? Thank you, Mitchell. Truly. Best wishes Absolutely. to you and to all your listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much. Is your uh, What is your website? For people, oh, if they would like to visit, newdimensions.org. So, and dimensions okay. has an S on the end of it. Newdimensions.org. Beautiful, Justine. Yeah, thank, thank you again you. so much for being on with us today, and we will talk very soon. Great, thank you. Bye bye. God bless. Bye bye. Wow, we. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Both our guests tonight just uh, really juice things up here at A Better World. This is Mitchell J. Raven for A Better World. Visit us at our website, www.abetterworld.tv. See who we'll have on the radio show and the weekly TV show here out of Manhattan in the Big Apple, New York City. You can access both the radio and the TV show from that very same website on Tuesday nights at 1030 at this point. We're looking to alter that uh, television time, but you can get there online. And if you're in Manhattan, of course, just turn on your TV and get educated, inspired, and elevated. I so appreciate your joining us today as well. We're on, uh, yes, Facebook, and yes, come follow us at Twitter and all of the usual stops. So, again, thanks for joining me and our guest today, George Nori and Justine Toms. Her book, again, Small Pleasures, Finding Grace in a Chaotic World. I'll see you all next week.